Can you believe that this is episode six? Just this past Sunday, we celebrated one month since this podcast was released. Unbelievable. Five episodes already. Now here we got episode six. And I got to be honest with you, this might be the most important interview that I will ever do. That is not to diminish in any way the guests that I've already had on or the ones that I'll have on in the future. But let me tell you something right now. Dr. Christopher West, his way of talking about John Paul II's masterpiece of theology of the body literally changes lives for the better. It has changed my life. I am beyond, beyond excited. I like to say beyond the beyond excited about this episode. Uh, it's going to be two-parter because he gave me two hours. So we're going to have uh, episode six and episode seven with Dr. Christopher West. I just got back from a uh, week-long Theology of the Body course. Uh, it was my 12th one. Uh, this one was called Theology of the Body and the Interior Life. It was primarily taught by Father Timothy Gallagher, who is a, an oblate of the Virgin Mary, a Catholic priest who is an expert on St. Ignatius's Rules of Discernment, which is also absolutely life-changing life and vital to the spiritual life. It was really, really powerful. It was a five-day continuing education course, and it was amazing to be able to sit at the feet of the masters of Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Christopher West, and I had a blast. I had an absolute blast, people from all over the country. Some people are saying, hey, can lay people go? Yeah, it's mostly lay people. There were only 10 priests. Most of the people were just regular people, married, singles, whatever. It's a beautiful thing. Look into the Theology of the Body Institute. You're going to hear about it in these episodes. Check out Father Timothy Gallagher. Google him. Google Theology of the Body Institute. Google Dr. Christopher West. It's really powerful stuff. I hope to have Father Timothy Gallagher on this podcast soon. And I got to be honest with you, I'm really excited about the future guests. We have some uh, great potential coming up. I'm really excited to, uh, <laughs> I don't even want to say it right now. Uh, this is my first time <clears throat> recording an intro without uh, <clears throat> Dave Sturgio from Chop Sports Network, but I want to thank him for uh, making this uh, remote intro uh, and outro possible. So uh, what else? Uh, my friend Jen Settle, uh, she was on the, uh, the course. She works for the Theology of the Body Institute. She taught about prayer and the interior life, as long as uh, this guy named Father Ryan Mann, a priest from the Diocese of Cleveland. We will not hold that against him, but he did a, uh, an amazing job. So what else? Okay, so for the first time ever, uh, I set up a way that you can now be able to support this ministry. Um, I uh, Financially, that is. So I'm asking in a couple ways that you support this ministry. One, primarily through prayer, that it be all about glorifying God and Jesus Christ. So please pray for this podcast. Also, uh, your, uh, your talent. If you feel like you have something to talk about, let me know. Something that we could do to glorify God together on this podcast. And then also also, uh, financially, any donation, 100% will go only to support the mission and the ministry of this podcast uh, in terms of uh, several different things. One, uh, studio uh, rental, uh, podcast equipment, 
uh, reimbursement for that, paying editors, paying the producer. Uh, I hope to have marketers soon. There might be some future travel. So uh, right now, the only way I set up a specific account uh, just for this, not one cent will go into my pocket. It will only go for the Holy Mess, His Holy Mess podcast. Uh, you could go uh, right now. The only way to donate is via Venmo. I set up an account and it's uh, His Holy Mess at His Holy Mess, all one word, H-I-S. H-O-L-I-M-E-S-S. And you could Venmo there uh, and just let me know that it's, uh, well, I'll already know that it's for the podcast. So, all right. So <clears throat> Dr. Christopher West changed my life. I'm not going to lie. You're going to hear the story. I was just an 18-year-old kid that had a lot of questions. A lot of questions about why in the world does the church teach what it does about sex and all these different things. And, you know, my pastor, he could have sat me down and he could have said, you know, because it's a mortal sin and you'll go to hell if you do it. But he didn't do that. He explained the why behind the what. He explained the love. And he handed me a cassette tape by this guy named Christopher West. I was an 18-year-old kid. And I think the name of the tape was uh, Straight Talk About Sex with College Students. And I was an 18-year-old kid at the time, college age. And I'm telling you, it changed my life. Listen to this episode. I am beyond excited to introduce to you Dr. Christopher West, president of the Theology of the Body Institute. God bless. So I am beyond excited to welcome Dr. Christopher West to the A Holy Mess with His Holy Mess podcast. Dr. Christopher West, welcome and thank you. Thank you, your holy mess. Can <laughs> I just say, Father Paul, I think I think that's a very clever and appropriate title for your podcast and for you and for all of us. We're all holy messes, are we not? Amen. 100%. In condition right there. I, I once somebody once said to me, Christopher, your life is a beautiful mess. And I thought, you know what? That that's probably the best and most accurate compliment I've ever been given. Yeah, I can identify. Uh, and I think I've, I've got some of this uh, from you, not the title of the podcast, but um, one of the greatest definitions of holiness that I have ever heard uh, came from what you told me about it. Um, do you want to share that or should I? <laughs> Interested. I don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. No. Nope. You okay? Well, one time I reached out to you. I was a baby priest. Uh, I was probably still a priest under a year. I emailed you because I was going through some stuff, like I always am. Uh, and in your reply to me, amongst many other gems, uh, you said to me that somebody told you that holiness, and I won't say the exact way that we said it, but uh, holiness. No. So you can spell it. Yeah. Holiness is not about having all of your S-H-I-T together. It's not about having all your ish together, but it's about opening up your ish, your S-H-I-T, opening up to the loving mercy of the Father. There it is, baby. That's it. Yes, I'd say that's the best definition of holiness I've ever had, ever heard myself. And it was my spiritual director who told me that. And he was he was diagnosing my lifelong neurosis, which was a kind of perfectionism that said, 
I can only that believed I can only be loved or I'm only lovable if I get my SHIT together. And he rocked my world and changed my paradigm when he said that. He said, Christopher, you are a recovering perfectionist. You think you think a saint is somebody who has his SHIT together. Uh-uh. A saint is somebody who has all of his SHIT open to the merciful love of the Father. And that was that was about 13 years ago, he said that to me, and it rocked my world, game changer, paradigm shifter. Not that I've learned it perfectly. These are lessons you have to learn over and over and over again. It's just life, the human condition. JP2, he has this poem where he says, to the effect, he says, if we don't, if we're not vigilant, the weeds come back. You know, the, the, there are always these, always these weeds of sin growing together with the wheat in our lives. Mm, yeah. Not like you, you have this great episode in spiritual direction and now all those weeds are gone. Now you got to be vigilant in, in, in recognizing the weeds are going to be coming back. In fact, they're always, this is right out of the catechism. Until the end of time, I don't care if you are John Paul II or Mother Teresa or whoever you are, until you die and you go through all the final purifications you need to go through, the wheat and the weeds are going to be growing together. That's right out of the catechism. So we have to make peace with that. We have to make peace with the journey. And it, it, it is, it has, I can't speak for you. I mean, I, I do know something of your life and you, you share and you talk all over the, the country and all over the world. And we still need to introduce people uh, who may not have heard of you, which I'm sure are not many, uh, to who exactly you are. But it has been a journey. It has been a journey. And I'm grateful that on more than one occasion, you have told me that I am a beautiful mess. Um, and that have encouraged me that God can and will do something with my mess if I let him into it. There and, it is. Uh, there it is. So here's the thing with, with, uh, with this episode, uh, Christopher. <clears throat> can I call you Christopher or should I call you Doc now? No, you can call me. You've always called me Christopher. Don't change now. I know, but you're a doctor, dude. Um, <clears throat> congratulations uh, on that, by the way. So... All right. Now, here's the thing. I, I have to make it like a little bit of a confession. So this is a brand new podcast. I've, I've, I've never done this before. This is only episode. This will be <clears throat> episode six. And <clears throat> my last couple interviews, I'm thinking like, how can I get who can I interview right to uh, to get the numbers up? Right. So and then just when I was thinking that thinking in not like so much of a way of service, uh, a guy who call, called me who's an exorcist and he's like, hey, man, I, I love your podcast. Uh, I'm sure it'll do really well if you interview an exorcist. So I interviewed him. Now, why I said that to say this, because you're a very public person, but I could say with all my heart and my mind right now, and I was just in the chapel praying like. This might be the most important interview that I ever do, and not because you're a public person, but because this what you teach and what your whole life about means so much to me personally that I just want every single person listening to hear this message, to learn about this theology of the body because it has changed my mind. And not only are you this famous Catholic to me, you are somebody who, although has become a friend, 
when I was a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid, and my pastor gave me a cassette tape talk by some guy named Christopher West about God, sex, and the meaning of life, it changed my life. It, it changed my life. I don't say that lightly, and I don't say that to, to praise you, although I am extremely grateful to you. Like, it changed my life forever. Not that it was, bam, my life was all great and holy since then, but it, it, it opened up a perspective. It put me on a trajectory where I would never really go back to how I was living before that moment because up until that point in my life, anytime that somebody talked to anything really about God or especially about you know sexuality in the Catholic Church, it was always negative. Yeah. It was always negative. And there I am. Now, I'm an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, and, I, and I'm starting to have some serious questions, even without knowing the theology of the body, because I am living the life of, of a teenager who's just seeking fulfillment in the flesh of, of women, okay? And just doing that on my own, there's an emptiness. It's not fulfilling that, that need that I'm looking for, that, that life of sin, that life of, of trying to, you know, the flesh. So I have questions for my pastor, and he gives me a cassette tape about someone talking about sex. But when I turned it on, and I promise I'll let you talk in a second. <laughs> when I turned it on, you're talking, you start talking about the movie The Truman Show. Like, you started out talking about a movie with one of the most popular actors of the 1990s, a movie that I loved, and you started talking about what is the meaning of the stars? And then you went into the whole thing about sexuality. But man, you did it in a way that, that immediately caught my attention, and I was not used to that. And yeah. the thing that I have loved about you and what I want people to know more than anything else is that you have helped explain the why behind the what. You know, that it's just not a thou shall not do this or thou shall not, but you have explained the meaning and the beauty of God's plan for sexuality. So Father, having said I'm just paying it forward. You know this. Uh, this teaching is not my own. It's something I've received in my study of St. John Paul II. And my work, my labor, what I've given myself to over the last... <clears throat> almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years next year that I discovered John Paul II's teaching. And I, I knew when I discovered it that I would spend the rest of my life studying it and sharing it with anyone who would listen. And my, my life's work has been translating the dense scholarship of John Paul II's teaching into a language and into categories and into images and analogies that, that anybody can understand. And that's that's the gift of this teaching. When people when it's translated in a way people can understand it, the reaction is almost always the same. Why haven't I ever heard this? This is resonating in my heart. It's it's touching something I knew is true, but nobody's ever given me the language to express it. And I went to Catholic schools my whole life. How come I've never heard this before? Well, that was my reaction when I discovered it. I was 24 years old when I discovered it. And I had been to Catholic schools pretty much my whole life. 
and nobody had ever talked to me this way. I was raised, and you, you know my analogy here, I was raised on what you might call the starvation diet gospel. When it, when it came to that deep hunger and ache of my heart for love, for union, for joy, for happiness, um, I was basically, the message in the air that I was basically given was, your desires are bad, especially those desires. Uh, you need to repress all those desires and follow all these rules and you'll be a good upstanding Christian citizen. Well, I'm a hungry dude. I got this ache in my bones. <clears throat> And starvation is not going to cut it. So I became a quick convert in my teenage years to what I've come to call this fast food approach. And by that, I mean the secular culture's promise of immediate gratification for those hungers. And I don't want anybody to lie to me. The chicken nuggets taste really good going down, especially yeah. when, when you're really hungry. And that's what you were describing, Father Paul, when you were a teenager. The reason the fast food didn't really satisfy, uh, I mean, there's a, a certain satisfaction, right? Why do we go to sin? We go to sin because there is a certain satisfaction. But the problem is, let's go with the metaphor. If, you, if your steady diet becomes, you know, quarter pounders and chicken nuggets, it may taste good going down, but the grease and the sodium is going to catch up with you, right? And that's a picture of me in my college years. This is now 1988. I'm a freshman in college, and I'm seeing with my own eyes the damage that's being caused on this college campus from everybody just gorging on the fast food. And I, I performed a little experiment in the fall of 1988 that changed my life. I decided to stay sober for one weekend. It was a little experiment because I, I, I started to figure out that, wait a minute, if people have to drug themselves with alcohol in order to pretend to be having a good time, then maybe we're not really having a good time. And I took this upon myself. I just picked a weekend and I said, okay, on that weekend, I think it was November something, 1988, I said, I'm going to stay sober. And so I did the typical things. I went to the parties on college campus, but I didn't drink. And it gave me a perspective on things that changed my life. I started to see the pain. I started to see the, the real agony that people were in. My, my roommate came back that night from a party and he was drunk as hell and he vomited all over our dorm room and it smelled so bad. Uh, I grabbed my pillow and a blanket to find somewhere else to sleep. And as I'm leaving the dorm, I look back at my roommate, passed out in a puddle of his own vomit. And I'm thinking, is this a good time? Is he having a good time? So I, I go down the hall, I find an empty, uh, an open door, I put my pillow and blanket on the floor, and later on, this guy comes back to his room with a girl, and he doesn't know I'm there. And he proceeds to try to have his way with this, this young woman. And I'll never forget this very kind of scared voice saying, stop, stop, I'd only want to do this if I knew you loved me. To which he responded, I love you, I love you. 
and proceeded to have his way. And I have to apologize to every woman on the planet that I didn't get up and kick the living daylights out of this guy. I should have, but I was frozen. I, I couldn't believe what was happening. And this experience haunted me. And it compelled me to ask some really big questions, starting with what is it that can lead men to treat women as nothing but objects for their selfish pleasure? And the more I was confronting this reality in this other guy, the, the more I knew I needed to hold the mirror up to myself and say, am I much better? You know, when I'm with my girlfriend, it's not a matter of, of a a date rape situation, but am I loving her? I don't know. I don't even know what love is at this point. I'm, I'm 19 years old. I have no idea what love is, but that set me on a journey to try to discover what, why God did you make us this way? If God exists, he's got to have a plan. And, and I want to know why he gave me all these desires because they're getting me and everybody I know into a hell of a lot of trouble and a hell of a lot of pain. Yeah, And that set me on the journey that led me to discover the J John Paul's theology of the body and that Christianity is not a starvation diet. John Paul II was the first one to tell me Christianity is an invitation to a wedding feast, a feast of life-giving love that corresponds to the deepest hunger of my being. And I'll never forget, he told me that hunger has a name. And he said, it's called Eros. The church here borrows her language from the Greeks. Eros. Uh, you know, we get the English word erotic from that Greek word Eros. But in my mind at the time, at this point, I'm 24 years old. But still in my mind, the word erotic was synonymous with the pornographic. Because yeah. that's the world I had been raised in. And John Paul II said, no, 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 you're confusing the Greek word Eros with another Greek word, porneia. And porneia is a distortion of eros. And I'll never forget this line, Father Paul. You might remember this from taking so many classes with me over the years. But John Paul II says that Christ does not want us to repress eros. Rather, this is his quote, Christ wants us to experience the fullness of eros, which implies the upward impulse of the human spirit towards what is true, good, and beautiful, so that what is erotic also becomes true, good, and beautiful. It rocked my world, redirected my, the whole course of my life, and I haven't looked back since. Wow. <laughs> Praise God, man. And and to those who are listening, I mean, Christopher West, he he's he's not a, a clergyman, he's not a religious, he's a he's a married man. He's a layman. He's uh married with with children. So th this message is not just for you know priests and, and religious of chastity. Uh happily married to to Wendy, and you have five children, correct? That is correct. We've been married uh, in a few weeks. We will celebrate our 27th anniversary. And in a couple days, our oldest son turns 25. Unbelievable. And his name is? Well, I named him after the Beatles. He's John Paul. <laughs> 
after John Paul II. And our well, no, oh. no, it's a, our second is George Ringo. Yeah, amen. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's why I love your uh, analogies uh, and everything. So. I mean, there's, there's so much to unpack here. I wrote down a bunch of notes. I'm a holy mess. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I want people to get to know you, why you're doing what you're doing. And at the same time, I want people to know now more than ever, like, why does it matter? You know, why, why does the church teach what it does? And you just got into some of that about sexuality. But there's so many hot button issues right now that our country is ridiculously divided on uh, abortion and the whole gender thing right now. And, right. it, you know, it can really be divisive. But what I've really liked about about you and your ministry is that you don't really you don't really get involved with the quote unquote political things or whatever, or just the hot button issues. But you continue to proclaim this beautiful teaching on God's sex and the meaning of, of, of sexuality and gender. But you do it with, with, with joy and you do it with beauty and you do it. You do it with truth, but you do it in a way that is very attractive, not condemning, but attractive. And it's gained a, a, a real big following. I mean, you're the president of an institute devoted to the theology of the body. So can you please tell the listeners something about what the theology of the body uh, institute is and its global mission? Well, let's just start before I get into the work of the the institute. Let's let's look at that very phrase, theology of the body, which might be unfamiliar to a lot of people. Or if you've heard it, you know, it kind of gets if it's being talked about at all in Catholic circles, it's usually like, oh, yeah, that's good for teenagers. That's good for marriage prep. That's good for the chastity section when we get to that question in the, our moral theology class. We're failing to understand the breadth and scope and meaning of the phrase theology of the body when we reduce it to merely moral questions about sex, right? Theology of the body is the very logic of Christianity. What do I mean by that? Okay, at the heart and center of Christianity is Jesus Christ. Surprise, surprise, right? And who is Jesus Christ? He is God in the flesh. He is the God who took on a body. Why did God take on a body? Right? Theology of the body. John Paul II says, if it seems strange to speak of a theology of the body, it shouldn't if we believe in the incarnation. For through the fact that the word of God became flesh, John Paul II said, the body entered theology through the main door. Okay, let's press into that a little bit. We tend to think of religion, generally or generically speaking, as a spiritual journey towards God, which moves us away from the physical world and the body. Right? We kind of have this idea, we got to leave the body behind to reach the spiritual realm. This is not Christianity. Christianity, in fact, represents the exact opposite movement. It's the movement of a God who is pure spirit, but he takes on a body to reach us bodily. We don't have to shed our skin. We don't have to 
flee or, or, or experience some kind of flight from the body to reach God. Christianity moves in the other direction. God takes on a body to reach us. If we are trying to divorce ourselves from the physical world to reach God, we can make no sense of a God who has wed himself eternally to the physical world, to the human body, in order to reach us. This is our faith. Christianity is the faith that proclaims God in the flesh. In other words, Christianity is the faith that proclaims your body is not only biological, your body is theological. It tells the divine story. What kind of body did Christ take on? He took on a human body. Getting more specific, he took on a male body. But his male body was born of a female body. It is always the male and the female body together that tells the Christian story. It is always Jesus and Mary, the new Adam, the new Eve, the true man, the true woman, together that reveal the fullness of what it means to be human, right? And what it means to be human is to learn how to love as God loves. This is the summary of the entire gospel. Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? It's the source and summit of everything we believe. This is my body given up for you. At the source and summit of everything we believe is divine love revealed through the body of Jesus Christ. The great gift, or one of, I mean, there's so many great gifts in this theology of the body, but one of the greatest gifts of this theology of the body is that John Paul demonstrates to us that the invitation of the gospel, the call of the gospel, the summary of the gospel, to love as God loves, that call to love as God loves is chiseled by God right in our bodies as men and women, right? A man's body does not make sense by itself. A woman's body does not make sense by itself. But seen in light of each other, unless we're blind, and we'll get to that in a bit, this is the problem with the world today. We look, but we do not see this, right? We look at the body, but we've been blinded. We don't see the body's message. A man's body makes no sense by itself. A woman's body makes no sense by itself. Seen in light of each other, unless we're blind, we discover the God-given call to holy communion. A holy communion that is so powerful, so potent, that it brings, in the normal course of events, it brings another human body, another human life into existence. Right. So we catch there in the union of the two, which in the normal course of events leads to a third, we catch a glimpse of a Trinitarian mystery, right? From all eternity, the Father is generating the Son to share with the Son the love of the Holy Spirit. God is not sexual. The generation of the Son eternally is not a sexual generation. 
But nonetheless, the Trinity is this eternal expression of life-giving love, eternal expression of generation and love. And it's as if the Trinity is having a conversation amongst themselves when they say, let's make a creature that can image our own life-giving love. Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and he said, be fruitful, generate. This is what makes our bodies as male and female and our fertility as male and female, not only biological, but theological. It tells the story of God's own eternal, generating, life-giving love. This is the theology of the body in a nutshell. <laughs> I've, I, I've heard this, Christopher, a million times before, but hearing it again a million and one time, it, it brings so much joy to my heart and my soul. My heart is smiling right now because there are people that are hearing this for the first time that are going to be captivated by this, captivated that our body reveals in some way the mystery of God. Yes, our yes. masculinity or our femininity, our yes. masculine body, the, it, it reveals the mystery of God. And one of the things that you turned me on to, uh, I think it was in TOB uh, 1, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit, but and it's my favorite quote, of the entire catechism of the Catholic Church that, uh, and I apologize if I quote it in a little bit incorrectly, but God has revealed his innermost secret. Yep. God has revealed his innermost secret that he is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we human beings are destined to share in that exchange. Spot on, Father. That's Catechism 221, and you nailed it. God is love. He is an eternal exchange of love. He's not just this, uh, I think it was uh, Katarina Zeno or something said, God is not just this old uh, gray-haired gray man, a 33-year-old dude, and a bird. Like, that's not the Trinity. Katrina Zeno, not Katarina Zeno. All right, Katrina Zeno, yeah. She's like, the Trinity is not just some, you know, sometimes we see in art this really old guy with yeah. long gray hair, a 33-year-old, you know, hippie Jesus, and then a bird. Like, it, God is love. God doesn't just have love. God doesn't just give love. God is love. That is his essence. It is his being. And when he decided at some point to create us, he created us in his image and likeness, male and female, he created them. Uh, and I think it was Pope Francis that said at the 2015 World Meeting of Families, he said something off script. He said, when God decided to create man and woman, he poured everything that was himself into the human family. Glory, glory. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, and so, here's one of my favorites from Pope Benedict XVI. He says, Eros is part of God's very heart. The Almighty awaits the yes of his creatures as a young bridegroom awaits the yes of his bride. Eros is part of God's very heart. The Almighty awaits our yes, like a bridegroom awaits the yes of a bride. And this is the image throughout scriptures. Throughout the Holy Scriptures, it's this image of marriage used over and over and over again to mm. help us 
understand something of the mystery of the way God loves us. The catechism itself says that the Bible speaks of marriage and its mystery throughout. It begins in Genesis with our creation in the image and likeness of God and the call to marriage. Throughout the Old Testament, God speaks of his love for his people as the love of a husband for his bride. In the New Testament, the love of the eternal bridegroom literally takes on flesh in the womb of Mary. Skip to the end of the story. The book of Revelation describes heaven as an eternal marriage, right? And you've heard me say this a thousand times, Father Paul. When we look at these two bookends of the Bible, right? It begins with the marriage of man and woman. It ends with the marriage of Christ and the church. Now we have the key that unlocks the whole story. And how, I'm going to toss it to you, Father Paul. How do we summarize the whole Bible in five words? God wants to marry you. Boom. Boom. God wants to marry us. That's why we exist. And he wanted this eternal marital plan to be so plain to us, so obvious to us, that he chiseled an image of it right in our bodies by making us male and female and calling the two to become one flesh. This is why St. Paul says that the union of man and woman in one flesh is a great mystery. And it refers to Christ and his love for the church. Amen. Where do we become one flesh with Christ the bridegroom? Holy communion. There it is, baby. The this is my body given for you. This is my body given for you. And you know the story I often tell of my father-in-law. Yeah. I never met my father-in-law. He, he died when my wife was a girl. But I admire him so much because of this story. It just gives me a window into his heart. He married my mother-in-law in the mid-60s. Uh, they came together as husband wife and wife for the first time on their, their wedding night. And then the next day, they went to Mass for the first time as husband and wife. And coming back from receiving the Lord in the Eucharist, my father-in-law was in tears. And his new bride said to him, honey, what, what is it? And through his tears, he said, for the first time in my life, I understood the meaning of those words. This is my body given up for you. Mm. Make no mistake, when all the confusion is cast out, when all the pornographic lies are untwisted, and we reclaim the original, glorious, beautiful, wonderful truth of our creation as male and female in the call of the two to become one flesh, what we discover is that it's all a Eucharistic mystery. It points us to the holy communion between Christ and the church consummated in the Eucharist. It points us to the source and summit of the Christian faith. And this is precisely why the enemy hates, and I mean hates with all his diabolical fury, he hates our creation as male and female because he's trying to scramble the language of our bodies. He's trying to confuse the meaning of sexuality and gender so we no longer understand who we are, 
what it means to live in the image of God, what our ultimate destiny is, and how to get there. Have you noticed, Father Paul, that there is quite a violent attack against the meaning of being male and female in the world today? Absolutely, more than ever before. A violent more, attack. Against yeah, more than ever before. We are living in unprecedented times. And anybody who responds by saying, ah, oh, you know, that's kind of an exaggeration. There's really nothing new under the sun. In a certain sense, that's true because the enemy's been attacking the relationship of man and woman and the human body ever since creation. But what's new in the modern world is hardcore internet porn that's available at the touch of a screen right in your pocket. Right. This is new. This is unprecedented. What mm -hmm. we are exposing, what, what people are exposed to in this modern world, this diabolic attack against the meaning of sexuality. I mean, think of it from this perspective. No wonder so many teenage girls don't want to be girls when they've been exposed to what happens to females in Internet porn. Wow. In their minds, they're thinking, if that's what it means to be a woman, forget that. I don't want to be a woman. Because porn, I mean, the violence against women in porn, that is that is common fare on people's smartphones, right? Th th this is what is forming and shaping young girls and young boys in terms of what is maleness and what is femaleness. It, it's, it's diabolical. It's an all-out hellish attack against a heavenly reality. The good news is Christ has already borne in his body this hellish attack. And in bearing it in his body, he's defeated the enemy and come out the, come out the other side with a glorified body. And this is what I want to hold out to our listeners. Christianity proclaims not salvation from the flesh, but salvation of the flesh. See, in this world where sexuality is under such violent attack, we think the solution, we think our salvation will come by fleeing the flesh, right? We, we are settling for a salvation from the flesh. Christianity proclaims and offers salvation of the flesh, mm. redemption of the body, not redemption from the body. We don't need to be saved from our bodies. It is our very bodies that need to be redeemed, right? And St. Paul tells us that all of creation is groaning like a woman in labor pains waiting for us the crown of creation to say yes to the redemption of our bodies and i think all of this pain that's focused on the body we see it today manifested in grotesque tattoos and grotesque grotesque body piercings and and and, uh, you know, gender reassignment surgery, which is nothing other than bodily mutilation. That's what it is. We have to call it by its proper name. It is mutilating 
body parts, holy, sacred parts of the body are being mutilated, are being attacked, are being cut off, are being excised, are being mutilated. Why? Because we have bought a lie that salvation means salvation from our bodies as they really are, rather than salvation of our bodies, right? Not salvation from, salvation of the body. Yeah. This yeah. Christianity, this is why God took on flesh to redeem us bodily. And if we are willing to journey with Christ into his passion and his sufferings and his crucifixion, we will also be united with him in his glorification, right? St. Paul says we carry the death of the Lord in our bodies. Why? So that the life of the Lord, the resurrected divine life of the Lord, might also be manifested in our bodies. This is our faith. This is Christianity. Not salvation from the body, salvation of the body. All these, what I was saying earlier, all these grotesque attacks against the body, it's a form of creation groaning in pain and suffering, waiting for the redemption of the body. So uh, you, you just said a lot, and we don't have to pack un unpack all of it because a lot of it was, was direct and doesn't need any unpacking. But I would ask the question, and I'll tell you where I'm coming from in a second. To somebody that would say, but you know what, Christopher? It's my body, and I could do what I want with my body as long as there's consent. Is there, is there's freedom to do like, so what, what's the problem with porn? If, if there's consent or what's the problem with a strip club or, you know, premarital sex or, or whatever, whatever I want to do with my body, maybe I want to have a gender assignment, sir, you know, who are you to say what I could do with my body? What would we say to that? Yeah, I'm no, I, I'm, I don't have anything to say. I can't say anything. I can only propose. I can't demand anything of anybody. But the the very let's just begin with this this notion, very popular today. You know, my body, my choice, right? Well, the Christian proposal is that your body is a gift. It's a gift from God, right? The whole my body, my choice is really. A great summary of the very nature of the original sin, which is the idea that the human being in the original sin raises him or herself to the level of God, right? Where I get to invent the world myself. I get to decide for myself what is true, what is good, what is right, what is wrong. Only God has the authority to author reality, right? He Because he is the author of reality. Uh, Father Paul, did you ask to exist? No, not, not at all. No human being asks to exist. No human being brings himself or herself into existence. Our existence is a gift that we have received from God. And the, the fundamental question becomes, does this make us slaves 
to a God who's a tyrant? Or is the reality that God has created good? Right? The lie that we believed in the beginning is that God's order is not good. And if you really want to be happy, you have to make yourself God and come up with your own order, your own plan for your own life, for your own happiness, right? The very nature of that, the, sim the symbol of the nature of original sin, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What does that mean? It's a symbol, right? We have to read the symbols. We do not believe as Catholics that there was a, a tree and a talking snake and they ate a fruit from this tree and that was the original sin. It's a symbol, and we have to read the underlying meaning of the symbol. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil symbolizes the truth that because we are not God, because we did not ask to exist or bring ourselves into existence, we did not author reality, there's a limit to human freedom, right? We are free to eat from every tree in the garden. We have a, we have a wide-reaching freedom. We are free to eat from every tree in the garden except this is the limit of human freedom. Because you're not God and I'm not God and we didn't author reality. The limit to human freedom is that I cannot decide for myself what is good and evil. Right? I can only receive as a gift, the reality that God has authored. The lie of the serpent, again, the serpent is a symbol that reveals personified evil, and personified evil is a fallen angel named Lucifer. Angels are not symbolic, right? Angels are real. The serpent is a symbol of a fallen angel named Lucifer. And Lucifer tempted the original human beings into believing that God's order was against us. Mm. See, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he knows you'll be like him. Well, what's the implication? God doesn't want you to be like him. He's holding out on you. He's keeping something from you. Hold on. God already created us in his image and likeness. The whole goal of human life is that we would become like God. But we would receive that likeness as a gift. Right? We have to, we have to, well, let me put it this way. You've heard me say this before, Father Paul. We stand before reality with one of two postures either receptivity or grasping yeah right if we believe that god does not want to satisfy the deepest desires of our heart and that the order god has established is against us then we will this is how john paul ii describes it we will deny the gift we will come to believe that god is not gift and we will deny the reality of the gift and we will grasp at, at fulfillment for ourselves. We will grasp at the knowledge of good and evil for ourselves. It's not that God didn't want us to know the difference between good and evil. It's not that we weren't ultimately 
ever to eat from that tree, rather that we were to receive the knowledge of good and evil as a gift from God's hand. When we reached out and grasped at that fruit, what's the symbolic meaning? I don't believe in God's gift. I don't believe God's order is for me. I believe God's order is against me. So I'm going to raise myself to become my own God, my body, my choice, my morality, my truth. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's false. That's the, the false reality, which doesn't even make sense. It's a contradiction of terms, right? False reality, right? <laughs> but that's the false reality we have embraced. That's the lie we have embraced. God's order is not against us. God's order is for us. Here we have to learn how to trust in the gift. And that's the posture of faith. John Paul II says, faith is the openness of the human heart to God's gift. Christopher, I'm sure that many people want to know more and want more of this. And they have, they're not used to this, but how do they find this loving God that they should be able to trust, a God who wants to, to provide for them and fill them when they struggle with trusting the church? I'm finding this more and more that like, because, you know, the church in and of itself hasn't done the greatest job of teaching the the, the beauty of human sexuality, but not well, you're only- You're very generous there, Father Paul. The church has, let's just be honest, the church has done a, generally speaking, a piss poor job of, of proclaiming its own teaching. Let's just be, let's be frank and honest about it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, what, why is that? And two, I, I want like, see, I'm so nervous of people hearing this and then they, they, oh, let me go to the church. And then, nah, I, nah, I don't know. You know, I, not that I have the answer and I'm not God, but where can people go for, for more of this, to, to chew on this, to, so that they, they could just not learn about it, but, but begin to live it, to connect with this life-giving, loving, free, total, faithful, fruitful God? Yes. Well, let, let's talk about the, the mess of the church right now. Let's talk right? about it. I, this is why I love the title of your podcast, right? The Holy Mess, right? The holy mess. This is what the church will always be in this world. A holy mess. Why? Because it's made up of people like you and like me. As I was saying earlier, the wheat and the weeds grow together in all of us. Right? If you're looking for a weed-free church on planet Earth, you'll never find one. It doesn't exist. And if out of anger at the weeds that you see growing in the church, you leave the church, well, where are you going to go? Because wherever you go, you're taking your own weeds with you, right? And you're yeah. going to run into other people with their own weeds. The reason I'm Catholic is not because I've, I have found a church that is pristine and without weeds the reason i am catholic is because the church is the bride of christ and the promise 
is that those who are grafted into Christ through his church, all of our weeds, not in this life, but one day the, the harvester will do the deciphering and, and the weeds will get properly removed and the wheat will flourish. And also I stay in the church, even though there are so many weeds and there's a lot of corruption and there's a lot of scandal because this is the human condition. We are corrupt. We, we do scandalous things. But the promise is if we remain faithful to Christ's promise, all of my crap opened up and we're back to that definition of what a saint is. What is a saint? It's not somebody who has no weeds. It's not somebody who has no SHIT in his life. It's not somebody who has his SHIT together. The saint is someone who has all of his or her SHIT open to mm. God, merciful love. And the church is the place where the fullness of God's baptizing graces the the full grace of of the of of the Christian life is offered us i firmly believe in the one holy catholic apostolic church and i remain catholic because of how messed up my life is i remain catholic because the promise of grace that can reach me through the church can transform all of my shit into glory I desperately need that. Can transform all of my suffering and pain into glory. I desperately need that. And I don't know where anywhere else on the planet where I can have that in its fullness than in and through the Catholic Church. That's why I remain Catholic. And if you are well enough in touch with your own crap, which we all have, you won't be scandalized as much by other people's crap. I'm pretty convinced that those who are just so scandalized by other people's crap that they, they end up leaving, they haven't really done a thorough inventory of their own crap, right? And and I'm reminded here of the parable of of Jesus. You know, if if you're if you're gonna complain about the splinter in somebody else's eye, make sure you're looking at the the beam in your own eye first. Right. We all are wheat and weeds growing together. And I'm not saying any of this in any way, shape or form to justify people's crap. Not at all. But rather to call it out, to call it out into the light, to call all of our crap out into the light. A saint is not somebody who doesn't have crap. A saint is somebody who's opened up all that crap to the merciful love of God. And mm. they are on a long journey of being purified. That's the Christian life. That's the Catholic Church. Uh, it's the place where people's crap gets purified. And guess how crap gets purified? Well, look at the theology of your body. Every part of your body tells a theological and spiritual story, including that part. For crap... <laughs> For crap, to come, for crap to get healed, it has to come out. Yeah. <laughs> and when crap comes out, it smells. Mm. Right? It smells. 
that's part of the theology of the body too. And the what is unbelievable, which is what makes faith so difficult, we're loved in that stench. We're loved in that smell. We're loved when we're just like little infants blowing out our diapers with butterscotch diarrhea. We are, we are loved right there. This was the gospel, not the gospel reading. This was the second reading in today's mass that God proves his love for us in this. I'm going to, I'm going to make my own translation, but people will understand what I'm saying. When we were still full of crap, God sent his son to die for us. Right? That was today's second reading. When we were still sinners, when we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. There is the proof that Christianity is not an invitation to get your SHIT together and then come to church. It's an invitation to come to church with all your SHIT because that's the only place you can get your diapers changed. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the, oh, the whole operation of changing diapers, every parent knows it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a, 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 a shitty mess. That's just life. That's life. We got to come to terms with that. That's life. If you're looking for totally pure, totally pristine, no SHIT allowed Christianity, what you end up with is pure, not purity, but puritanism. And when you end up with Puritanism, you end up with Pharisaicalism, which is legalism and rigorism, and you keep things clean on the outside, but inside you're full of all kinds of filth and uncleanness. And that is what Christ vehemently condemned more than anything else in the Gospels. Brother, brother, you are, you're reminding me, man, there is one per, if this one person, I got a phone call today, no one's going to have any idea what we're talking about, but this, this brother needs to hear this, man, because, you know, like all of us, he did something really, really stupid, really stupid. And he not only, he's not saying I smell like crap, he's saying I am a piece of it. I am okay, a piece that's of where the lie comes in. That's where the lie comes in. Yeah. Right? Because, look, look again at the theology of the body. Because we have crap in us, which is just not only a biological truth, it's a theological truth. We all have crap in us, right? That does not make your entire life crap. That's the lie the enemy uses to get us to hate ourselves. Yeah, right? shame. First, he entices us into the sin and says, you're going to love this. This is going to make you happy. You're going to, it's going to be great. Come over here, do this. And then as soon as he, we do it, then he makes us feel like a big piece of SHIT, right? And then we come to loathe ourselves. And, and, the, and I know this from my own experience. This is not foreign to me. One of my, my major struggles is, comes from beating myself up, which is a kind of self-loathing, right? Uh, again, we I would invite your friend, whoever this person is, to enter into that second reading from today's Mass in, yeah. in Paul's letter to the Romans. God proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, 
He loved us so much that he sent his son to love us in our crap. We don't believe that we, we, we've all, almost all of us have been raised under a paradigm of be a good little boy, be a good little girl, and then you'll be lovable. Well, that creates a pattern and a habit in our lives of hiding our crap, burying our brokenness, burying our sinfulness, because we think it makes us unlovable. Yeah. Whereas the invitation of the gospel is expose it. Bring it out into the light so that I can love you right there, so that I can save you right there. Let me meet you right there. Scripture says that Jesus became sin. Even though he never committed sin, he became it in order to meet us in it. He, He descends the whole way into our hell. Whatever hell your friend has fallen into, and I've fallen into my own hells, you've fallen into your own hells, Father Paul. The good news of the gospel comes to us precisely in the fact that Jesus descends the whole way into our personal hells to meet us there, to love us there, not to keep us there, but to raise us up and out of that hell and turn that hell inside out the whole way into glory. This this is the astounding alchemy of Christianity, that when Christ touches sin, it turns to gold. All right, welcome back, Holy Messes. That was part one of a two-part interview with Dr. Christopher West. What a great way to end. Anything Christ touches turns to gold. Bam! Powerful, 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 powerful. I cannot wait for you to join us for episode seven next week. Do me a favor, share this episode, post about it, rate it, review it in your podcast app, especially Apple Podcasts, rate, review, download, subscribe, listen, and share. Talk about it. I want the message of the theology of the body to get out to every body. Christopher usually says, if you have a body, the theology of the body is for you. This can change lives. Talk about it. Share this episode. It's not about just getting numbers so that this podcast gets known or gets famous. I want everyone to know about the heart of the gospel, the theology of the body. Do me a favor, read the description in the show notes. Uh, We're going to have a description about this episode. There's going to be many links to different resources about the theology of the body. I'll put a link for Father Timothy Gallagher. Um, Check it out, check it out, check it out. I'll also put a link for how you can uh, donate uh, to support this uh, podcast and this ministry. So check out the show notes in the podcast app uh, or wherever you're listening to this. God bless you. Um, also, check out and support Chop Sports Media. Dave Sturgio, Chris Gucci, uh, just uh, Google them, Chop Sports Media. Check it out. Support them. Uh, they're uh, doing great things. And if uh, you need help with a podcast or a show, you're going to want to contact them. So God bless you. This is his holy mess, Father Paul. I'm probably leaving like 20,000 things out, but I got to go. I got to get to work. Talk to you soon. See you next week. Rate, review, Download, share, listen, donate. God bless you. Hey, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, email me at his holy mess podcast at gmail.com. His holy mess podcast at gmail.com. 
uh, questions, comments, concerns, desired for future guests, uh, future questions answered, desired topics in the uh, in the um, uh, desired topics to be addressed on this uh, podcast. Let us know. We got uh, Chris Stefanik coming up uh, and some I don't even want to spoil it. So we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Yeah.